At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Good Morning, as we learn from the cries of Israel recorded in the book of Lamentations. Together, we'll discover the depth of God's love for us, even in seasons of suffering, and learn to take our sorrows to the Savior. Well, good morning, Woodside. My name is Eric Schindler. I'm one of the pastors here at this campus, and uh, since moving two and a half years ago, I just have to take a, a moment to express my appreciation for this church body. You guys have been such an encouragement and a blessing to myself, my family, and uh, you just warm our hearts. And I just want to take a moment to, to say that we love, we truly love serving with you. As many of you know, um, my primary responsibility is kids' ministry, and today is Family Worship Sunday. So some are probably wondering, well, what in the world is that? Well, each time there is a fifth Sunday in a month, which is a couple times a year, we invite the elementary age into the main worship center for mainly three reasons. For one of them, uh, it allows our volunteers to have a week off and uh, some of them, that's just a, a needed thing once in a while. And then also, we believe that there's value in kids being in this space, watching parents, grandparents, and adults worship. There's a, a passage of scripture that references uh, training up a child in the way that they should go. And one of the things that, that kids do is they, they watch, they observe, and they learn. And they learn from others in this space on how they worship. So that's another reason. And then lastly, uh, John Morales just needs a break. You know, to keep that expression level so high that he has, he just needs a, a week off once in a while. That's not really a reason. And I don't know if I have permission to even say that. But anyway, thank you for being here. It's great to worship with you today. Um, there probably will be more kids in here. So just be patient with the families. It, there might be a little bit more movement than normal. I'd like to give a quick ministry update. Currently, all the environments have been open with the primary purpose of teaching age-appropriate Bible principles each week to also teach the gospel and providing care for your children. We don't take that responsibility lightly. We, uh, we, we know that it's important, we're thankful for the opportunity, but it is serious for us, and, and we want to provide this ministry. In order to provide this service to the church, we depend upon room leaders. And right now, we have about 50 that faithfully serve uh, on a regular basis. And I would like to take the moment to verbally thank every one of you that is giving of your time uh, maybe resources, but you're really investing into the future church. One generation teaching another generation. So um, I, I just want to thank the volunteers. Also, our attendance uh, is currently at 70% of what it was prior to, to COVID, but our volunteer return percentage is only at 33%. So we have 70% of the kids returning, but only 33% of, of the leaders returning. So to get back to serving kids and families well, we are praying that that percentage starts to climb back up. 
So pray with us in regards to that. A verse that I find great encouragement with is 1 Corinthians 15, 58 that says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It has purpose. Always abounding, it's not in vain. So the ter- to the current team, keep up the good kingdom work. It may seem meaningless, but it's not. The commitment is not in vain. We're also looking to others, maybe in this auditorium here, they have gifting in this area. Please consider joining us in this kingdom work. Christ said that the fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. And he was trying to inspire his audience to, hey, this is a harvest field. We need people to go work in that field. And in kids' ministry, that is a field. And we need people to go serve in that field. So prayerfully consider joining us. Okay, a couple announcements. We have up on the screen, you'll notice, we have Kids Camp coming June 21st through the 24th. And uh, it goes from 9 a.m. to noon each of those days. It's an exciting week that includes crafts, games, worship, large group time, and fun. Registration is open. I think we already have about 70 uh, 70 to 75 kids registered, and we know that that will continue to climb as, as it gets closer to that date. Uh, if you haven't signed up, consider doing so, and also spreading the news that Kids Camp is happening. To pull off this amazing week, there's a need for some volunteers, and I want to give specific areas where we could use some more help. We are looking for three more to help in preschool, two counselors in the younger elementary ages, and then one for one more for nursery, and one or two that can maybe help with the snack team. Prayerfully consider being part of this ministry outreach. And then lastly, we have Camp Woodside. It's an overnight kids camp for those going into third, fourth, and fifth grade. This uh, camp takes place August 13th through the 15th, and registration is currently open, but it's filling up really fast. And we have limited numbers that we can send there, and it's, it's filling up really fast. So if there's any thought of registering, you should probably should do it right now. And I'll say for both areas, if there's, we want to eliminate finances. There's expenses with things, but we don't want that to be a reason holding somebody back. So please reach out. We want everybody to be a part of it. Well, on the screen, we're going to have some pictures of the current volunteers, and I'd like to just pray over them. But for this prayer, keep your eyes open, and as you see the faces, I'm just praying for this team. So please join me right now as we go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. We're here today because we believe in you. We believe in the word of God, and we believe that you are going to come again. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, but right now we want to lift up those that are working in our kids' ministry department. We're so thankful to you for them. Lord, that you have inspired them to serve and to help and to give of their time. And Lord, I lift them up to you and I pray that you'd encourage them. I pray that you'd help them. I pray that as they serve, that you'd give divine appointments and gospel opportunities to invest into these young children, Lord. We know that through this ministry that many come to know you through it. 
So I pray that you would help them, inspire them. I pray that uh, we'd also be able to see others, be able to join in on this opportunity to serve you. Because we know that when we serve the least of these, we serve you ultimately. And Lord, it's also Memorial Day. And there's many that over the season of the history of our nation have given the ultimate sacrifice of their lives for the freedoms that we get to worship. One of those freedoms is to proclaim your word and your gospel from this stage at this moment in time. And Lord, I thank you for them, for their sacrifices. May it not be forgotten. And Lord, you sacrificed the Son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. And Lord, we thank you for that. And it's because of him that we want to continue to learn and grow in worship. So I pray that as we go into this uh, sermon today, I pray that you would inspire our hearts and minds where the work is needed. It's in Christ's name I ask it. Amen. Well, this is Memorial Day weekend, and we honor the military personnel who served while, um, who, who died while serving the United States of America. One of those days was December 7th, 1941, as President Franklin Roosevelt said, is a day that will live in infamy. Surprise attack, many of you know the history on Pearl Harbor, and many people lost their lives, about 2,390 servicemen and civilians. They were surprised on that day. And then if we were to place ourselves in that time, at that day, you'd have been part of a scene that was horrific. It was terrible. There was, there was destruction. There was death. There was chaos. And then following the attack, there was a, a period of grieving and eventual lament. A, a day that's a little bit more familiar to myself was September 11th, 2001. At that time, I was teaching fifth grade in Joliet, Illinois, with a class packed with kids. And if you're a teacher, you know that there's something called a teacher's lounge where you go and they got this cheap coffee. For me, it was Folgers. And if you like Folgers, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I was there probably for my third or fourth cup of coffee for the day. And all, there's all this chatter going on. And they're talking about this these, these planes that, that were hijacked and, and that these twin towers were, were uh, falling to the ground and, and the, the Pentagon and then there was a, a fourth plane that ended up landing in a field. And on that day, there was so much destruction, so much death. And again, Americans were left with this 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 anger, like who did this, and, and sorrow, and, and then it led into a season of, of grieving and lament. So it's with those types of scenarios that we're going to go into a, a rather heavy passage of Scripture. It just is. The nation of Israel, we're going to learn about them today. We're continuing the series titled, Good Morning, Taking our sorrows to the Savior. And the title of the sermon is a little, like, a little alarming. When God becomes the enemy. When we read Lamentations chapter 2, 
we see an attribute that many do not want to see. In fact, they want to reject this side of God. Often we talk about God and we talk about, we focus on his love and his mercy and his grace. And that is all one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, we see that God's holiness, his his righteousness leads to judgment. In order to have justice, there has to be the consequences for wrong. And this is the side of the coin that we're going to see in this passage today. So some of the kids might be taking notes on their, uh, the kids' notes. And uh, the point number one is this. God is righteous in pouring out his anger. God is righteous in pouring out his anger. We're going to look at verses 1 to 4, and then we're going to jump to verse 17. And as I'm reading these verses, I want you to pay special attention to the reference of God. In this verse, you're going to hear the word, the Lord, the word his, and the word he, repeatedly used. So just pay special notice of that. So whether you're on your tablet or phone or Bible, uh, we'll be reading Lamentations chapter 2, verse 1. How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy all the habitations of Jacob. In his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the kingdom and its rulers. He has cut down in his fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. He has bent his bow like an enemy, with his right hand set it like a foe. And he has killed all who were delightful in our eyes in the tent of the daughter of Zion. He has purposed out his fury like fire. And then jumping to verse 17. The Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. So just explaining a little bit of this, the author of Lamentations is telling a story of what he saw or, is, or seen taking place in the city of Jerusalem to the nation of Israel. In just five verses, Jeremiah, who is the assumed author, makes reference of God 26 times. In these verses, there is a reality of devastation and destruction, and clearly the Lord is angry. But we have to ask ourselves the question, why is the Lord angry? Well, Israel has continually broken and violated the covenant that God had made with them. This covenant relationship that God had with Israel is noted in Exodus chapter 19. And I'm going to read a couple of the verses. If you want to turn there, that's fine. But Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, um, 
you'll uh, just, this is part of the covenant. I'm not reading all of it, but just part of it. Verse five, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Simply described, this covenant, there's three parts where God makes a promise to Israel. He, his presence will be with them. Secondly, he will bless their nation. And thirdly, he will protect their nation with his mighty hand, which is the mightiest of all hands. But they had a part in this covenant as well. Israel asked to obey God and to worship him alone. No other gods, just him. So from Exodus all the way through the book of Lamentations, God is continually faithful in keeping his side of the covenant. He doesn't break any of his promises to them. However, Israel is repeatedly breaking them. They are not faithful. They are disobedient and they are worshiping and serving other gods. Okay, but he doesn't leave them hanging. He, he sends numerous prophets over and over and over again to warn the Israel to repent and to turn back to him. But they, they just didn't listen. So then what? Well, because of God's holiness, he is justifiably and righteously angry at the presence of sin. The time of warning has passed, and Israel is enduring the judgment and the wrath of God in this passage. So going back to, to Lamentations chapter 2, we read some of these things. Israel was once close to God, but now the, the quote is, they're cast down from heaven. They once received mercy, but now they are without mercy. They once had peace with God, but now they know his wrath. Because of their disobedience, God is removing his protection. In verse 3, God has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy, which means God has removed all of Israel's defenses and made them susceptible to attacks. In his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds. The protection is gone. Then we go to verse 4. The author of Lamentation states that God has become the attacker. He has bent his, his, his bow back. He, sent, he, he has bent his bow like an enemy. And his sight is on Israel. So we go to verse 17. The Lord has done what he has purposed in his heart. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy, which happens to be the Babylonian army, to rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Wow, this is like a heavy, heavy passage. Why? Why is this passage of scripture in the Bible for us today? Why is Lamentations chapter 2? Why are we studying this? 
The purpose is to move us to mourn and to be reminded of the consequences of sin. The single greatest factor that led to God becoming angry with Israel and experiencing the wrath of God is because they had lost a reverent fear of God. Somehow, Israel thought they could violate the covenant and he'd be totally cool with it. He'd be understanding. Somehow, Israel thought that God was obligated to bless them and they wouldn't have to give an account of their rebellion. They lived as though God would not punish sin. Kind of a lighthearted story, personal example. I know that we have many parents in here, and some of you have been a parent. Um, I have four daughters, Summer, Whitney, Kira, and Jenna. Yes, pray for me, four daughters. It's great, I love it. Uh, During their younger years, though, uh, an area that kind of mattered to me, and I I might have gone, I I was a neat freak, and transitioning to being less of a neat freak. I I like to come home to a fairly clean house. And if you have kids, you know that they they make a mess. They just do. And so there's always clothes and toys and stuff just all over the house. And and I'd come home, and it's like a common phrase I'd hear over and over and over again. I hear myself say it sometimes, and my wife. Hey, pick up your... Our stuff, you know, put your toys away. Um, you know, put this there, put that there. And, and we, need, we need to clean the house. Like, like, I think that cleaning the house should be like a Ten Commandment or something. I don't know. But it's not. It's not in there. Um, but I, it just like felt good to come into a clean house. Well, I came up with this brilliant idea. Um, so moms might want to take note of this. I, I don't know if it's brilliant or not, but I thought it was at the time. You know, um, I'm going to get a couple cardboard boxes and I'm going to place them somewhere um, and just give the kids a, um, a warning that every day that I come home or at a designated time, anything that I see laying out, I'm going to pick it up and put it into these cardboard boxes and I will give them back to you whenever I want to give them back to you. It might be a week, it might be a month. And um, so... Just so you know, I'm giving you the warning. And that's what's going to happen. So, it happens. Come home, CMS. Hey kids, at 7 o'clock, I'm picking up everything. I'm putting it into a box. A couple minutes later, it's 6.30. Just so you girls know, I'm going to be picking everything up and putting it into a box. You know, five minutes before, hey, it's 6.55, and uh, anything that's out, I'm going to pick it up and put it in a box. And so 7 o'clock came. I didn't say anything because, you know, it doesn't matter if you start yelling or anything. That doesn't help. Like, you just, I'm just going to start go getting my boxes. So I go get my boxes from the basement, and, and sometimes there's so much stuff, it literally takes both hands. You know, like, you're just putting the stuff in a box. And... And all of a sudden, one of the four are like, uh-oh, the judgment time has come right now. And so there's a mass scramble. And they're all trying to find their best toys and their best clothes because I said, I'm going to put all of your clothes in a box and you're going to wear 
the pajamas you're wearing for the next week or however long because that's just the way it's going to be. And so I'm picking up clothes and sometimes even some food and, and, and stuff, and I'm putting it in these boxes, and I'm not doing it, and I'm a little irritated because it does take work to do that. But they knew it was coming, and then I take it, and I put it someplace in the basement. I might have put duct tape because that's a great resource. And, 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 then, and then that's that. On one occasion, though, um, I'm like, I'm, you know, going through this warning process. and like, oh, it's time to do it. And, and so then they start to scramble. And my second oldest, Whitney, she has this really squeaky voice. And she's about five years old. And she goes, she's like frantically looking and like, I can't find my hubba bubba. Where's my hubba bubba? Which is like this tape of gum. And she was like, that was, that was the most important thing at that time for her is that she had her tape of bubble gum. And uh, uh, on that same occasion, the reason I remember that time is because my wife is on the old school camcorder doing this number. <laughs> you know? And then it just, she just so happened to scan a mirror and she had Jenna on a front pack because, you know, it was like the, gir the girls are all frantically putting things away, but I didn't know where my wife was well, she was filming and, and the other one was on her front pack. And, and so we laugh at it. We, um, we were just watching some home videos this past week. And we laugh at that type of thing. But at the time, I wasn't all that happy um, because they were disobedient. They, didn't, they had an opportunity to be obedient, but they chose disobedience. And, you know, that's, that's the same um, on a far more serious level of what we're talking about with the nation of Israel. They were disobedient to the covenant. And this covenant was with God Almighty. They were warned and God was holding them accountable. The church must not run the risk of Israel's mistake. God is loving and he is merciful, but he is also holy and he's righteous and he's just. So there has to be a consequence for wrongdoing. So let's transition to point number two. If the kids are taking notes, God is exhaustive in dealing with our sin. Let's read verses five to seven. Again, you'll notice the word usage of Lord, he, and him in these verses. Verse five, the Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has laid in ruins the strongholds. And he has multiplied in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. He has laid waste his booth like a garden, laid in ruins his meeting place. The Lord has made Zion forget festival and Sabbath, and in his fierce indignation has spurned king and priest. The Lord has scorned his altar, disowned his sanctuary, and he has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of their palaces. They raised a clamor in the house of the Lord as on the day of festival. The Lord determined to lay in ruins the wall of the daughter of Zion. He stretched out the measuring line. He did not restrain his hand from destroying. He caused a rampart and a wall to lament, and they languished together. You know, we see in this passage that everyone was guilty. No one was without excuse. It mentions of Zion, of Jacob, of Judah, it also didn't matter if they were king, ruler, or priest. 
Everyone was guilty of sin against God. You know, Jerusalem was a very beautiful city, had beautiful walls. It was, it was protected. It, uh, it was also home of the temple. But the people of God no longer were concerned about their sin. They believed that they were invincible. Every place was destroyed. The whole city, the walls, the gates, the houses, the palaces, and the temple itself. So we come to the end of verse 8. We understand that God takes sin and rebellion seriously. No restraint. Um, these cards that you see up here in kids' ministry, elementary, uh, we go over them every single week, one of these different cards. Sometimes we, we use all of them. And it's, we call them the gospel icons. It's the gospel, which is the good news, but it's also God's story. And so every one of these cards has two words that go with it. And, and the kids, they, they know it. They're really good. They'll chant it out. So like they come to the first card and what is the first card, kids? God rules. And, and so we talk about how God rules. In the beginning, God. Uh, the book of Colossians chapter uh, one, it says that, that he is before all things and in him all things exist. And so we go over that. And then we go to the next card. And the next card has two words. And the two words are what, kids? We sin. And that is, that right there though, that is a big, big deal. That red X usually does not mean something good. Israel had sinned. And they were being held accountable. We sin, and we are going to be held accountable. We remember that God is God is exhaustive in dealing with sin. He is not going to brush this under the rug. He is going to hold all mankind accountable. In Romans six, we know that for the wages of sin is death, and that is an eternal death. But he doesn't leave us in the land of death and destruction and sin. He moves on to this card right here. And this card, there's two words that go with it. God provided. Say it with me, kids. God provided. John 3.16, a very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So as... As serious as God is about sin, he does not leave us hanging. He is also unbelievably caring. So caring that he would send Jesus Christ to pay a sin debt that we cannot pay on our own. We can't pay that debt. The only price tag for this debt was Jesus Christ. But he's not willing that any should perish. And then we move on to this, this next one, the picture of a present, which symbolic of if someone gives you a present, you just receive it. And so we have the two words that go with this one, Jesus gives. All right, everybody say that with me. Jesus gives. And thank God he does. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. And he gave his life. It just is something that has to be received. 
Which brings us to the next card, the two hands up. We respond, and I won't have you, you guys that did so well, I want to leave on a good note right there. Um, but we respond. We respond. Like the nation of Israel, they had an opportunity through the covenant. And in the New Testament, you have an opportunity to respond as well. There's, there's to be a personal ownership and a response by every single individual. Are you going to accept the terms or are you going to reject the terms? Israel rejected the terms. You saw it happen to them. We can learn from that. We accept the terms by repenting, believing, and turning to God. Something that even as I'm talking during the service, you can, you can start to do that. You can take that posture of, of repenting, believing, in turning to God. So you don't have to live in the land of sin and death, but rather you can someday have eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the response is not something that I can make for you or anybody else, but it's you. You have to own your response to that, that, that deal. And then at the end, we have baptism. We'll talk about that in kids' ministry once before. You'll notice that baptism isn't over on this side. Baptism is a response to this right here. Believer's baptism. I identify with Christ. I am washed and free from my sin. And I'm going to live a life for him. I'm changing the direction. I was once living there, but now I'm living for him. And it's a change. And so that's identifying with Christ. And it's a byproduct of, of, of what's going on. So we move on from there. We transition to point three. God is working to bring us to repentance. Oh, this is the good stuff right here. Like if you got lost in those first couple verses, yeah, that's a heavy passage, but, but there's good news coming on the horizon. Verse 19, it says this, Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. So here the author encourages the reader to respond in three ways. In three ways. Number one, arise. Instead of living in that land of being downcast, being discouraged, of everything that has happened. For them, it was this, their city. It was gone. It was destroyed. It's no more. It's gone. And they could have lived mentally in that land forever. But they're instructed to get up, arise. Turn your affection on something different. Look to God. So it goes on in that verse to cry out, the cry out in the night. Lift your hands and your voice to the Lord and cry that the Lord will be gracious. And then it goes on to say, pour out your heart like water. Bring your heart before the Lord and give him the control of the scenarios in your life that you have no control of. Just pour it out to him. Give him control. Let him do something that's beyond your power anyway. You know, verse 19 is a call to re repent from a, a self-centered, self-reliant life and beg God for mercy. 
And then, and then also maybe there's some in this room that are thinking, well, you know, this was the Old Testament. You know, we're, we're, uh, they, they, it was different in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. We live under grace, right? Well, the, the New Testament has much to say about the need of repentance. And individually and corporately as a church. But for right now, these three points of this message, some things that we have to own. Number one, God is righteous in pouring out his anger. Point two, God is exhaustive in dealing with our sin. And point three, God is working to bring us to repentance. He doesn't want us to live in this land of sin where future destruction is coming. He's given us an opportunity. We must cry out to him. You know, there's a very famous uh, a hymn titled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Maybe you've heard it. In, in the song, it talks about, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know, wandering just takes one step after another. Wandering away and before long, you've lost your way. Which reminds me of a story. Um, kids. Have any of you kids out here, you, you lost your parents for a period of time, for a little while? Any of you? couple? I got a big kid right over here. Great. All right, so put, put your hands down. Some of us have gotten lost for a while. I know I, uh, I've been separated from, from my mom when I was shopping. And uh, um, I have a cousin. His name was Justin. And Justin was a few years younger than me. And my grandma loved all of her grandkids, but um, she had a special name for Justin. She, she called him Justin Angel. Oh, you're Justin Angel. And, uh, and so that name, like, that's like, as a little guy, he always heard, hey, Justin Angel, you know, it's time for supper or whatever. And one day my aunt was shopping and Justin um, was with her and, and she was busy looking at what she's shopping because you know how that is. You're like looking for exactly, all right, this one is a little cheaper than that. And, and so she's, she's thinking, she's focused. Meanwhile, Justin is one step away, moving a little bit further and further and further away. And before long, uh-oh, we have a problem. Where's Justin? Well, a store shopper noticed this lost boy all by himself, no parent around, and so comes up to Justin and, hey, Justin, right? They didn't say Justin because they didn't know the name. What's, what's your name? And like, Justin. And, oh, oh Justin, Justin, do you have a, a last name? Like, yeah, my name is Justin Angel. And, and so this and so she's like, oh, come to the front of the store with me, Justin Angel. And so she gets to the store, the intercom system, and it's like, hey, attention shoppers, uh, would the parents of Justin Angel please come to the front, uh, front of the store? And at that time, you know, my aunt probably is very worried and concerned, but, but also thankful at the same time, like, oh, good, like they have him. And, and so there's eventually, you see in the distance and there's the coming together. When somebody's lost and they're found, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing and it's just a simple, simple picture of a reunion between a child and a parent and that they're reunited, 
They, there's, there's a coming together. And, you know, it has to ask, we have to ask ourselves the question, though. Am I wandering? You know, it only took one step at a time, and all of a sudden, they're lost. For us, we might not know it, but there's some in this room that might be lost. You don't even realize it. You're wandering. You don't even know how you ended up here. Maybe you smelled the coffee out front or something. I don't know, but you, you ended up here. And, and then there's some of us that maybe that we are in the faith, but we've maybe lost our way a little bit. And we've started to wander. And, and it's prone to happen. It just does. But we have to ask ourselves, you know, we've, we've experienced a very difficult year. And there's been much lamenting and much, uh, much difficulty being processed. Some of these difficulties, they might be self-inflicted. Some might be a generational curse that needs to be broken by the authority of Jesus Christ. And then sometimes difficulties come into our life just because of sin. Sin is present. And there's warfare going on. There's an enemy that wants to take you down and they know how to do it. He's an expert. He's been taking people down for years and years and years and he wants to take you down as well. And so there's all these different things why difficulties come into people's lives. Some things we can control and some things we cannot control. But today, ask yourself the question, have I, have I wandered? Have I even wandered a little bit? Do I, need to, do I need to find my way again? You know, we do not want to live in the land of sin like the people, like the children of Israel. They lived in this land for sin. There was no accountability. And all of a sudden, it was too late. Everything was destroyed. We, we can learn from them. We can learn and we can repent. We can turn our eyes back to God. As the big idea for today is this. When God becomes our enemy, we must cry out to him before it's too late. It doesn't have to be too late. It doesn't have to be too late. You are given an opportunity right now to respond. And maybe it's not even you, but maybe God has placed people in your lives that they, they need this repentance. So some of these gospel icon booklets right here, I have a pile of them. These are the simple gospel. And I tell the kids, you know, you need to know it well that you're applying it to your own life, but just don't live there. This is news that needs to get out. It needs to go. It needs to spread. It needs to be cast out like seed on a lawn where it, it can multiply and go out from here. So please uh, take some of these if, um, uh, if that would be helpful in some sort of a way. Let's, uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. I know that it was heavy. Lord, in that, that we, we appreciate the fact that you are so loving and so caring and so patient with us, God. And you were patient with, with the children of Israel over and over and over again. You sent prophets to, to, to tell them that they've gone astray, but they just didn't listen. Lord, I pray that that would not be the case with us today. Lord, I pray that there's some in this, in this space that need to repent. They need to turn to you, the great I am. And Lord, they're here today because they needed to hear this message. And then there's some of us here that just need to realign a little bit. 
Because we've, we've, we're maybe taking one step or two steps away and we've lost our, our focus, God. Lord, draw us back to you, Lord. We need you. We need you, God. Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ. The gift that he brings of salvation that lasts for eternity. Oh, Lord, if there's some that, 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 that don't know you, Lord, I pray that the, your, your Holy Scripture and the Holy Spirit would impress upon their heart, Lord, that you would reach into them, Lord, and draw them to you. That today will be a life-changing day. It's all about you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.